Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Hey, I want to say a special welcome to those who are watching online. I'm told we've got record numbers tuning in this morning. And uh, so great to see you all today. And if this is your first time back since the end of the pandemic, we give you a big welcome. And if you're here visiting and you're just checking us out, maybe you saw a Cross Eagles Love sticker, maybe you, someone invited you from your school, or maybe you're here uh, because of um, you found us online, you wanted to check us out in the room, I want to say a huge welcome. There is nothing like being in church on Easter Sunday. And uh, we did Easter egg hunts yesterday, we did all sorts of fun things, but I'm telling you the real reason for, 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 for Easter, as much as we love the, the, the Easter bunny, and he's a wonderful bunny, okay, I'll be glad when he's gone later, but I, it, we celebrate our risen Lord, and he is risen, such a great friend. Why can't, I turned to someone in the service, I said, why can't every Sunday be like this? Just put it out there, let's do it. It's a special welcome today. And if you are listening online in the room, we actually believe the Easter story. Okay, it's not just a sad to happy children's story. Um, It's real life events which have been recorded in history. And Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection have changed the course of history for billions of people throughout the generations. And today, I'm told over two billion Christians uh, are going to be remembering and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And isn't that exciting? I was standing there and worshiping, and billions of others are lifting their hands and worshiping in their own way. We do it our way, they do it their way. Different methods, but exactly the same message uh, in exalting Jesus. So, hope has a name, and the name is Jesus. I think Easter is the greatest comeback story of all time. Does anyone love a good comeback? Unless it involves it switch. Okay? I love comeback stories. I thought yesterday we were nearly going to have another resurrection. I thought we were going to be talking about the greatest comeback since whenever. We were close. The boys did well. One of my favorite sporting comebacks that I was at was Norwich at versus Middlesbrough in 2005. We were 4-1 down uh, with eight minutes to go, and somehow we managed to draw the game. It was, a, it was a great comeback. I think about Tiger Woods. After 11 years of personal problems off the course, he came back in 2019. For, what, for all golfers, it was the comeback of comebacks. What about Tyson Fury? Now, there's the comeback king. Lost nearly nine stone in weight to become the heavyweight champion of the world, one of the greatest sporting comebacks in history. And then I think of our very own Lee Daniels. Just stand up, Lee. He's a bit of a comeback king himself. 2003, I first met Lee Daniels. I met him in the back of a riot police van. True story. We were running a youth club on the Hartsies estate, and uh, he, he told me he was part of a gang. It wasn't a gang, it was some lads who hung on the street corners. But they called it a gang. My wife will tell you what a real gang is, all right? But Lee, Lee was part of the local Hartsies street corner, and they came in, and they caused some disruption, and we called the police, and we sent him home in a riot van, okay? But yesterday was his birthday, and on Friday, he celebrated the birth of his beautiful new daughter, Sienna. Nineteen years later, married a beautiful Scandinavian girl. I took him away on a, what was meant to be a ministry weekend away for him to support me, and he falls in love and all sorts. Anyway, that's, that's for another day, but... I look at Lee and I, I, I see him as a bit of a comeback. Yeah. see him as a bit of a comeback. Yeah. Now, we all love a great comeback story. Who would agree we all love a great comeback story? Yeah. Why do we love a great comeback story? Because every great comeback story started with a great setback story. Yeah. 
whether it's Tyson Fury, Tiger Woods, Lee Daniels, unless you're two years old, you've all experienced a setback. We've all had that moment, we've all had that moment where we've laid in bed and we've said these words, are things ever going to change? Has anyone ever said that? Are things ever going to change? Are things ever going to change in my career? Are things ever going to change in my job? Are things ever going to change in my marriage? Are things ever going to change at school? And we just want desperately for things to change. And our setbacks, they normally fall in, uh, in one of three groups. First one is things we can't control. Things we can't control, like sudden illness, or sudden death, or... We plan a holiday and it rains for the whole holiday. You've ever done that? You've gone abroad and it was your perfect holiday. And then you get there and ideal and real are very different. So things we can't control. And then there's other people's choices. Other people's choices. Once I was playing a game of football and someone broke my ankle. It wasn't my choice, it was their choice. And it set me back a whole season. And then thirdly, sadly, Setbacks are caused by our own choices. Our own choices. We do or we say or we don't do or we don't say the wrong things. And the reality is most of our setbacks look very, very different. Maybe your setback is with your dream. God gave you a dream for your life, but nothing is coming together quite like you had planned. Maybe your setback is in, in your friendship circle. You just, you just don't feel like you connect or you belong anywhere, and so you, you wander. And life is just a series of setbacks in relationships. Maybe it's a setback in your health. You just get on top of something in your health, then something else in your body breaks. Has anyone ever had that? You're like, I've just got to grips with this, and then something else snaps, breaks, happens. Or maybe you've got plenty of money, and to everyone else on the outside, you're a great success, but on the inside, you feel so empty. For Chantal and I, our new building, we've been, we've been working hard at this for over five and a half years, and all it's been is setback after setback. Setback, 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 setback. You see, a wise man once told me this, the dream is free, but the journey isn't. A lot of people aspire and they dream and it's free to dream, but who knows that the journey of the dream coming into fruition is difficult, it's hard, and life is just a series of setbacks. In fact, I think we spend more time in the valley than on the mountain. The older you get, you realize it's just setback after setback after setback. So the question is, what do we do? Do we just cave in? And people ask us, they say, how are you doing? And our typical British answer is doing okay or doing great. But we're really, we're, we're, living, we're living a life of, of setbacks. Setbacks. I think denial is the greatest enemy of a comeback. If you're taking notes, write this down. Denial is the greatest enemy of your comeback. Whenever you live in denial, oh, I'm, I'm fit, I just don't go for a run. I'm fit, I don't need to go to the gym. Or I eat really well, I only eat chocolate twice a week. And, and, but denial, when we live in denial, actually what happens is we're going deeper into the setback. I love Jesus, the fact he kept it really real. And the night before he was crucified in, in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he goes to his father and he has this really honest, brutal conversation about the setback that he's about to face. And he says, Father... If you're willing, let this cup, what is the cup talking about? It's the cup of death. Let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. If I've got to go through this setback, I'm not in denial, but you stay with me, God. So I think honesty is the first day of your comeback. If you want to get on the comeback trail, you've got to, you've got to be honest. Towards the end of the last year, my health was, was struggling, and I've, I've talked to the church about that, and it wasn't until I got really honest with someone, I could begin my comeback. 
And sometimes in life, you've just got to be honest and say, I'm struggling. My mental health is struggling. My physical health, my spiritual health is struggling. I feel that life is just continually a, a series of setbacks. And it's not until you acknowledge where you're at that God can intervene. And Jesus experienced a resurrection. And the, and, and the God of heaven wants you to experience a resurrection in your life today. That's why we're all here celebrating, because Jesus is alive. But you cannot celebrate a resurrection until you go through a crucifixion. And some of us, we're going through a, a, a setback, a crucifixion moment in our lives. And God is saying, if you can trust me, I can take your crucifixion and turn it into a resurrection if you acknowledge where you're at. Amen. There was nothing about Good Friday which seemed good. The disciples, they'd given up their livelihood. Remember when Jesus went to them and said, hey, come follow me. They just dropped their nets. Many of them were fishermen. They were doctors. They were philosophers. They dropped everything which they did. And they came and they followed Jesus. Imagine me coming to you and said, I want you now to, to serve Jesus. Well, what's my salary? Oh, don't, don't worry about your salary. Just drop your teaching career. Drop, you, drop your education. Just come follow me. So they dropped everything and followed Jesus. And three years later, they're standing there and they are looking at Jesus hanging dead on a tree. And they're thinking, I, I just gave up my life. I just gave up everything to follow you. And now look. He was publicly executed. But Jesus wasn't just publicly executed. Their hopes and their dreams were publicly executed. Everything they believed was going to happen was nailed on that tree. It was the greatest setback in history. Have you ever been there? All your dreams shattered? Have you ever worked hard for years and everything that you had was taken from you in a moment? Everything you believed for was stolen. In that moment, the phone rang and everything changed. And then in the middle of all the pain and the confusion, a couple of the disciples decided to head to where Jesus was laid. Maybe they wanted to recollect some of the memories from those three years that they'd had together. And everything was about to change. Come on, let's stand. We're going to read Luke's account from what took place on the first day of the week. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone was rolled away from the tomb. When they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to your hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Father God, bless your word. May we receive it with open hearts. Amen. You can take a seat for now. The greatest comeback story in history. The women showed up in the tomb and they expected to see Roman guards at the entrance. Instead, they found angels. By the way, if you doubt the truth of Jesus' resurrection, let me, just, let me just throw some evidence in front of us. In ancient courts, a woman could not be a witness. Only the testimony of a man was accepted. The first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection were women. If it was just a fanciful story... Why would the gospel writers have used a woman? Just a thought. Give it up for all the girls. Come on. You were there first. You were there first. So what does the greatest comeback story in history teach us today about our setbacks? Because I know all of you, you're sitting there thinking, yep, it's all right for Jesus, but what for me? Because I've got to face my employer tomorrow. I've got to face my spouse who's told me he doesn't love me. I've got to face another week without income. My outgoings are far greater than my income, and 
right now, life is a mess. Life is a setback. So if you're facing some setbacks in your life right now, I want to give you some Resurrection Sunday assistance. Is that okay? All right, so I'm going to give us three steps from this story to fight and to come back from our setbacks. Number one from this story is this. We've got to acknowledge, Jesus, I need your help. Some of you are visiting, some of you are in church for the first time, maybe you, you have, you, you've utilized the, the Soul Social Supermarket and you've dropped in for Easter, and this is all new to you. But the first step for change, for turning your setback into a comeback, is to acknowledge, Jesus, I need your help. Now, I want, just before we unpack that a little bit more, I want you to think about this. Jesus' life wasn't taken. He willingly laid it down. He willingly laid it down. The angel tells the woman, he's not here, he's gone. Remember, he told you. This should not have been a surprise to the girls that day. He told you how he was going to die. He told you when he was going to die. And he told you how long he was going to be dead for. I mean, who knows? They're good facts. So why are you all so shocked? Now, let's just think about this. If you knew the details of your death, how you would die, when you would die, and who'd be with you when you died, what would you do? I'll tell you what I would do, okay? I would be as far away as possible from that place and those people. If you told me that you're going to die, John, in Wrexham in 2026 with Steve Morstan close by, I would be in Wrexham with Alan. Anyone with me? You would be as far away from your death prophecy as possible. But Jesus, knowing the time, the place, the date, and who he's with, what does he do? He walks straight into it. Because Jesus' life wasn't taken, Jesus willingly laid his life down. So the question is this, why? Why would, Jesus said earlier, didn't he, in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than they lay down their life for their friends. Who are the friends he's talking about? Us. Jesus knowing the details of his death walk straight into it. And the greatest comeback in history began by Jesus laying his life down for his friends. He considers you and I friends. Steve spoke brilliantly on Good Friday, didn't he? But our greatest setback in life, as Steve said, is actually not our circumstances. It's our sin. When we think of setbacks, we always think circumstantial. Oh, I need to fix this, or I need to get that. Or, but actually, the greatest, the greatest setback in life is not circumstances, it's sin. Why? Because you can solve the majority of circumstances, but you can't solve sin. Sin is a problem that we cannot solve. That's why God had to send Jesus to the earth. And he solved humanity's greatest issue, sin. I love that quote which Steve said. He said, sin is not something we commit, but sin is something we are in. And so many setbacks we can solve with good choices, maybe good medication, good diet, good conversation. We can solve so many of the setbacks we're in, but this one setback, we can't. So that's why we need Jesus. That's why we've got to come to God and say, Jesus, I need your help. Our sin was placed on the cross of Jesus. And you know what? The sins we can't even remember and the sins we've spent our whole lifetime trying to forget, Jesus died for. You know, I've committed lots of sins. Sometimes you sin, you don't even realize it because you've offended someone maybe not meaningful, or maybe sins that you committed. We don't like talking about the word sin, because sin is dirty. So we've changed the word sin to choices. But didn't, Jesus didn't die on the cross for my poor choices. He died for my sin. We can't water sin down to choices. It's sin. 
And sin is the only thing that can separate us from God. Jesus' arms were stretched out on the cross and it was an invitation to bring our sin, to bring our guilt, to bring our shame. When he said, it is finished, he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. He said, I have dealt with all of your sin. Your past, your present, your future, done, finished on the cross. And in that moment, in that moment, the Bible says the veil was torn into grace triumphed over sin. So our comeback begins when we first acknowledge we need help. We need help. We need a savior. However big or small your setback is, we need help. Second step forward is this. Jesus, I need your help. And then Jesus, I expect you to move. Jesus, I expect you to move. I'm going to read two small passages here, two portions of scripture um, from two completely different expectations about what would happen at the garden tomb. Matthew 27 says, The chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how the deceiver said, After three days I will rise, therefore command the tomb be made secure until the third day. Then in Mark's gospel, it says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome bought spices, they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the first week, they came to the tomb as the sun had risen. There were two expectations at the tomb. Expectation one was the women, the two Marys and Salome, and the fact that the women brought spices to Jesus to anoint his body showed that they did not expect Jesus to come back from the grave. Even though that Jesus had told them this is what's going to happen, it was written in, 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 in scriptures that they did not expect it. After resting on the Sabbath, the Saturday, according to Jewish custom, the women got up early and they went to anoint his body. Jesus was done and dusted in Mary's eyes. But it's interesting, one of the most astonishing things about the Easter story was the Romans, the arch enemies of Jesus. In fact, they were the ones who crucified him. They were the ones who put the nails in and the spear in his side. They put an armed guard to look after a dead corpse. Hello. Just think about this. Jesus' enemies expected his comeback, but his friends didn't. Jesus' enemies, the Romans, they expected him to come back, but the very people who'd walked and done the three years of life with him didn't. You know, I see that when people come in. Some people, they come in here for the first time and like, wow, anything can happen. Some of you have been coming for 20 years, not another service. Oh, not another service, not another Easter weekend. Not John Norman's sermons again. Not three points and a big finish. No. <laughs> but people come for the first time. They're expecting someone to change because they're so desperate for God to move. I was running past a, uh, I'm going to call him a super fan, a super Norwich City fan. And, uh, and I ran past him. He, he was walking I think, and, or jogging or something. Anyway, he had the full kit on. That's why I'm calling him a super fan. You know, to wear, you know, wear a football jersey, the, the top, maybe with some tracksuit pants or something. That's kind of semi-cool. But when you, when you have the full kit on, the socks, the shorts... <laughs> The shirt, that's super fan. Who knows a super fan, yeah? They're really keen. And we were playing that afternoon. I said, oh, I can't wait. Norwich's going to win this afternoon. He said, not likely. <laughs> not likely. So you've got the whole kit on. I'm guessing you're a season ticket holder. But you have no expectation. How many Christians are like this fella? We profess to be believers. We get a big Bible. We can get our name on the front. We give our tithes. We serve in church. But we're not expecting anything to change in our lives. Oh, God can help them. God can work on their family, work on their business. But for me, it's just, oh, I, I just, I'm just done. Yet the Romans, they're like, when's he coming back? We heard what he said in the temple. We saw the miracles he performed. 
The Romans knew he was dead, yet they kept watching and expecting something out of the ordinary. Our comeback, first of all, it begins by saying, God, I need your son Jesus' help. And secondly, we need to expect things to change. Honestly, I'm expecting things to change in my life. We've got to expect things to change in our marriages. We've got to expect things to change. This is faith. We live in a world that is so cynical and it is so negative and our culture loves to pull people down. We've got to be exact opposite. We are kingdom culture. We lift people up. We encourage and we expect the best. You can expect the best even when life's at its worst. You know, the worst chapters make the best stories. The worst chapter of the Bible made the best story. The worst chapter of the Bible was when Jesus died on the cross, but it made the finished story. Some of you, you're going through some of the darkest, hardest moments of your life, but don't give up. You've got to begin to change your expectation. God is good. God is always up to something good, and that will never change. One of you have just accepted your current circumstances, your current role at work, your current salary. You've just expected like the women at the tomb. I actually want the attitude of the Roman soldiers where I expect things to change. I'm speaking blessing over you this week. I'm speaking health over you. I'm speaking increase over you. I can speak it over you, but can you speak it over you? Or have you accepted your present circumstances? Before I ever step on this stage, I say the same thing to God. I expect something to be different about this service. I don't want 8.30 a.m. anointing. I don't want last week's anointing. I want something new and fresh. I expect God to move this Easter Sunday. Not another week, not another service, God, something new. One expectation you bring to your marriage for those who are married. Oh, just another night in front of the TV. Just another cottage pie, same one you've been making for 20 years. Why don't you put some spice? Why don't you put some expectation back into your marriage? Put the kids to bed early, do the washing up, put the candles on, shower her with encouragement. Come on, and you'll get more than you expected. More than you expected. Oh, marriage is just dull and boring. That's because you're dull and boring. You'll get what you expect. Lift your expectation this week. God, today, I believe blessing is coming my way. God, I believe for unexpected miracles because I am your child. Come on, I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're responding right now. Come on, God is good. God, I expect good success this week. What are you expecting God to do this week? Oh, it's going to be another week. That's exactly what it will be. Come on, what are you expecting God this week? I'm expecting miracles of our new church this week. I'm expecting a great few days with my family. I'm expecting the sun to shine. Come on, I'm expecting a turnaround in situation. This isn't just motivational. Come on, this is faith. This is declaring. The Bible says faith has to be spoken. You cannot think faith. You cannot think it. I'm a thoughtful faith person. You can't be. You can't be. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Lift your expectations. So number one, Jesus, I need your help. Perfect. How good was that? Yeah, you see that? That was synergy right there. Give Jonatus from Portugal a huge hand. We've been practicing that moment all week. Jesus, I need your help. Jonatus, I need your help. Jesus, I expect you to move. There's one more step in fighting away from your, from your setback. Jesus, I trust in your promise. I need you, I expect you, and I trust in you. It's not enough just to expect, you then got to trust. Jesus, I trust in your promise. John's testament includes a really interesting fact on the resurrection story. It says he saw the linen cloth lying there, 
He says that there was a handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together by itself. We could just read that and move on. Just an anonymous piece of information. But in the middle of humanity's greatest ever setback lies a promise. Those who looked in and saw the clothes, but they saw no body. All that remained, the only evidence that there'd been a human life there was the grave clothes. It was custom for grave clothes back then. We, we bury people in whatever we think they love, whether it's their favorite football kit, the full strip, the suit, whatever you fancy you can be buried in. But back in the day, they would, they would wrap linen around them. It was customary. And then they would place a handkerchief over the deceased's face. And it was a mark of respect. But why did Jesus fold? John records, it says, but folded together. Folded together. Is it, is it even important or significant, that small piece of information at the end? To understand the folded napkin at the end of this testament, we have to understand Hebrew tradition. Hebrew tradition said that it was to do with the, with the master and the servant. The servant would set the table for the master. And he made sure that the table was exactly how the master would like it. And the table would be furnished and then the, the servant would step back just out of sight until the master had finished his supper. He would not touch the table until the master was completely finished. Now, if the master was done eating, he would rise from the table, maybe wash his fingers, maybe give a big grunt. Then he would screw up the napkin and he would toss it on the floor. And as he threw it on the floor, it was a sign to the servants, he was done. He was done. But if the master got up from the table and he folded the napkin and he placed it beside his dinner, it was the sign of, I'll be back. I'll be back. So when Jesus in the grave, his handkerchief was folded, when the disciples walked in, this wasn't on the floor, scrumpled up. This was folded. This was a promise to say, I will be back. I'll be back. The screwed up napkin meant I'm finished. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm not finished. It was finished. I'm coming back. Where do you think Arnie got it from? I'll be back. I'll be back. That folded napkin was a promise not just to the disciples, it was a promise to you and I this Easter Sunday. Even though we're going through some crucifixion, some pain, and it's unbearable, but the promise is this. Jesus is still with us. Jesus has not forsaken us. Jesus will not leave us. He's not folded the napkin. And thrown it on the floor. No, he's a promise saying, I will be back. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus is still the comeback king. Jesus is still the comeback king. You've got to hold on to the promise. You say, well, John, what do you mean a promise? I, I don't have a promise. Here's the good news. The Bible does. 7,200 promises for God's children in this book. 7,200. Every single setback that you face, whether it's in marriage, family, business, finances, health, whatever setback it is, there is a promise to hold on to. And this is why we encourage you. I I can't remember the last time I preached if I encouraged you to read your Bible. Because when you read your Bible, what do you do? You receive the promise. You receive the promise. But you can't outwork a promise unless you know the promise. If I make you a promise, then it's my duty to fulfill it. But if you don't hear me or you don't know it, you can't 
enjoy it. So today I'm asking you this Easter to read your Bible. Don't let just be, don't just read and hear John Norman or Steve Morstan on a Sunday. You read it for yourself. You get hold of a promise and you hold on to it with dear hands and don't let it loose. Speak it every day. Memorize it. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. I know some of you have been let down by human promises. You've been let down by your boss. You've been let down even in church. You've been let down. Maybe you've been let down in your marriage. You've been let down by human promise. But God cannot break his promise. There's only two or three things that God cannot do. And one of them is this. He cannot lie. He will be faithful. You find a promise. You hold on to your promise. What do you do next? You sleep on it. You literally, you sleep on it. I'm not going to stress about it. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to blog about it. I'm going to sleep on it. You've got to rest in his promises. You know, with our new building and all the various financial challenges and the challenges we have as a church and people attacking the church like never before. I've never known an age where people attacking the church. People are so angry at themselves. The easiest target is the big one. It's called the church. So what do we do? We rest. We rest. We literally rest. Feels good. God, you've got me. If you've given me a promise, you give me a pillow. And we rest. And we trust God in our darkest times, in our setbacks. We don't try and fight battles that are not our own. We trust God. He'll fight your battle. He'll sort the issue out. But you've got to trust Him. So for every promise, you need a pillow. You don't need Facebook. You don't need the friends you think you do. You need to rest in God. God, I need your help. God, I'm bringing you into my mess. And God, I expect you to move. So what am I going to do in the middle of it all? God will not abandon you in the middle of a promise. You've got to rest. Not stress, rest. You've got a promise, find a pillow. When you put your head on the pillow tonight, I want you to remember the promise. God, you promise you supply all my needs. You, plum- you promised that my house would find Christ. You promised that my business would make it. You promised that I would see my dream. You promised that I would get the job. You made a promise, so guess what, God? I'm going to hold on to the promise. So I'm not going to stress about it. I'm going to sleep on it. And I'm going to hold on fast to what you've given me. God says your family will be saved. It is a promise. It is a promise. If God says you're going to be married, you'll be married. You'll be sharing your pillow. Not until you're married. God says you'll be healed. It's a promise. If you hold on to the promise that by his stripes I am healed, it's a promise. But you've got to hold on to it. Don't hold on to it. It doesn't happen. Then throw it down. No, 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 no. That's not what you do. You hold on to it. You hold on to it, and you hold on to it, and you hold on to it, and you go to bed at night, and you rest saying, God, you will come through. You will, you will, you will. Find a promise. Find a pillow. God's going to come through. He is the comeback king. I Googled it yesterday. He's the only king in history I can find that was ever crucified. He's the only king in history that was ever crucified. And he's the only king in history to make a comeback from the dead, from the dead. He's still the comeback king. He is still the comeback king. He is still the coming king. He is still Christ my king. Come on, if you believe it, if you're saying, God, today, I'm believing you. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I expect you to move. Jesus, I'm gonna hold on to your promise. Even if I have to sleep on a pillow, I'm gonna trust you and find you. Come on, stand to your feet. He's still the comeback king. 
He's still the comeback king. Right, I want some honesty in the room today. If you're facing a setback, it could be two setbacks, three setbacks. In fact, your whole life might just be a series of setbacks. But you're saying, today, today, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to acknowledge, Jesus, I need your help. I want you to lift up your hand right now all over this room. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need your help could be in your mind, it could be in your body, it could be in your family. Jesus, I need your help. could be with your children, could be with your mom, your dad, it could be with a, with, a, with, a, with a business partner. Jesus, I need your help. Father, right now we come to you. And Father, we have turned to every other place to help us for our setbacks. But Father, we turn to you today and we say, Jesus, say it out loud, Jesus, I need your help. And Jesus, I expect you to move. Let faith arise right now. Now tell God, you tell God what you expect Him to do right now. You tell Him. You tell Him what you expect Him to do. I don't know. You tell Him. I expect a change in my circumstances. I expect it, Lord. I expect it, God. I expect to get into that university situation. I expect my exam results to go the right way. I expect it. Faith has to be spoken out. You can't think faith. You've got to speak it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I expect it. I expect it. I can't expect it on your behalf. You've got to expect it. I couldn't have my wife's child. She had to expect it herself. You've got to have the expectation for your life. Come on, expect it. Expect turnaround and change in your business. Expect things to line up in your favor. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And Jesus, I trust in your promise. I trust in your promise. As I lay my head on the pillow, I'm gonna confess your promise. I'm gonna rest in it. I'm not gonna rest in my problems, my anxiety, the stresses the world puts on me. Your word says, be anxious, but for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God and the peace of God, which comprehends anything in our own understanding will be with you. So Father, right right now, we, we trust in your promise. Come on, I want you to trust him. Not trust in John, not trust in Soul Church. We'll let you down, but trust in his promise trust in his promise you say I don't have a promise well go home and find one of them there's 7,000 waiting for you you can google them put them in google promises of God there's hundreds and hundreds of them and hold on to the promise I want you to hold your right hand up and I want you to clench it because this is the promise you're holding on to the promise you're holding on to the promise hold on to it because life will try and steal it from you People will try and take it from you. You hold on to the promise. If God's promised it, He will fulfill it. He will fulfill it. Someone needs to hear this in your business. He will fulfill it. He will fulfill it. Come on, someone needs to pick up the promise that you were given. Hold on to it again. He's never seen the righteous forsaken. Hallelujah. Come on, let's declare this out. My future. give you an opportunity right now to personally invite Jesus to come into your life and be your help. Today, maybe your life has just been setback after setback, but today can be the start of your comeback. But here's the thing, we all get in a mess when we try and help ourselves continually. We need help and that helper is Jesus. He came to earth to die on a cross to take our sins. And nobody in this room, nobody watching online is too far gone from Jesus. You might be too far gone in a relationship, in a work situation, but no one in this room is too far gone from Jesus. And I wanna send out a personal invitation today to invite you to become one of his followers. He loves you, my friend. He has a plan, He has a purpose and a destiny for you. You can try and do life on your own and time to time we get it right, but the reality is at some point we all come to this conclusion. We need someone else because we keep making a mess of it. 
That's why Jesus came to this world. He came in human flesh and he died on a cross. And he took my sin and he took my shame. So that we didn't have to do this life on our own. This life is difficult. This life seems to be getting even more difficult. That's why we need a Jesus. We need a Savior. He's here today, my friend. He loves you. You say, well, what do I have to do? You know, I meet so many people who say to me, John, I'm not good enough to become a Christian. I'm not good enough to come, even come into church. True story. None of us are good enough. We all screwed this thing up. We all messed up. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory for God. So today, we're not here pointing out people's mistakes or their sins. We're here pointing out what Jesus did for us. He took our sin. He took our shame. He took our guilt. And He says, if you invite me into your heart, what I'm going to do is wipe your slate completely clean. One of my kids' favorite games growing up was the Etch-a-Sketcher. Do you remember the Etch-a-Sketcher? My kids loved the Etch-a-Sketcher and they would try and draw trees and houses and cars and and then it would be like a whole load of squiggles. But I would say, wow, that's amazing. Do you know what? Our lives are a little bit like that. We kind of make a bit of a hash of it. And then we, to everyone else, we put a filter on it and say, look at me, but actually, in the, we actually made a bit of a mess of it. And Jesus says, if, if you allow me to come along, I'll get the etch sketch and what I'll do is I'll shake it. Yeah. I'll shake it up again. And I'm gonna give you your life back and it's gonna be completely clean. I'm gonna give you a brand new start. I'm gonna take away all the bad stuff and I'm gonna give you a blank page to start again on. And this time, instead of you trying to draw and make your life do what it does on its own, I'm gonna be with you and we're gonna make something beautiful out of your life. Today could be an etch-a-sketch moment for you where you get to receive Jesus and He wipes the slate clean and He gives you a brand new start. Life is so much better with Jesus. Trust me, I've done it both ways and it only works one way. He loves you, my friend. So I'm gonna ask everyone just to close their eyes. If you're saying today, John, that's me. Kind of living life my own way and maybe a friend invited you this Easter. Maybe, maybe your life has just been so many setbacks. You thought, I just need some help. That help today is Jesus. Today, you can come back. You can have a resurrection. Your life could make a, a turn for the good. I'm gonna to count to three, and from the front to the back, from the left to the right, you say, John, include me. I'm gonna say a simple prayer, but I'd love to include you in it. But I'd love to know who I'm praying for. So when I get to three, just slip up your hand. Say, John, that's me. I wanna give Jesus my life today. One, two, three. Just slip up nice and high. Go all over this room. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Beautiful. Right at the back. God bless you. God bless you. Fantastic. Amazing. God bless you. So good. Anyone else? We can hang on for a moment. Say, that's me. Come, this is the most important decision you might ever make. God bless you. Come on, let's just keep, God bless you. Amazing. All right. I want us to put our hands down. Let's just say this prayer out loud. You ready? It's a prayer from our hearts that connects us to the Father. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood on the cross. Right now, I receive your love. I receive your grace in exchange for my sin. I'm now a follower of Jesus. I'm going to live for you. Amen. 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 Come on, let's put our hands together for everyone who said that prayer. Maybe you said that, said that prayer by lifting your hand. Or maybe you didn't lift your hand. It's not about your hand. It's about what happened in your heart in that moment. And we've got a gift for you. It's a Bible. It's a Bible in kind of modern day translation. It's got some fantastic stories in it. And one of the stories is the story I read today, the resurrection story. And we would love to connect with you after the service. Our team are going to be out in the foyer area. They'll have the Bibles just holding them up nice and high. So make sure you grab a Bible. We'd love to stay in touch. We're going to give you some more information about our church. And I'm also going to invite, if you made a decision today to come and follow Jesus, I'm going to give you a second invitation. To, I want you to think about this afternoon, is to be baptized. Tonight at five o'clock, we have a baptismal service. 
I'm told, I think we've got 40 people being baptized tonight, which is just fantastic. And um, everybody's welcome to come tonight, five o'clock, to celebrate. And I'm personally love to invite you to be baptized tonight. Have you made that decision? You know, the Bible's really clear. It just says this, repent and be baptized. It doesn't say repent, wait, be baptized. It says repent and be baptized. So tonight you can be baptized and it's just a public declaration of your new private association. And so you're privately going, hey, I'm now a Christian, so publicly I'm going to let the world know that I'm dying to my old self. I'm going to put my old life underneath the water. The water's not special. It's from Anglian water. Okay, so it's nothing about the water. It's just what it signifies. All right, so don't get caught up on the water. Okay, it's just normal water. And um, yeah, there's no such thing as holy water. Okay, water's water. It's what the water represents. Sorry to burst the religion stuff. Okay, it's just water, all right? But it's what the water represents. And uh, you can go under the water, the angling water, which will then become your old life. And as you come up into a new, brand new life. So we're going to celebrate tonight. So if you want to be baptized in angling water, you can come out tonight at five o'clock. And we would love to uh, celebrate that. Let someone know at Info Desk afterwards. But I think we should put our hands together and thank everyone who said that prayer. Right, who's ready to take on some setbacks this week? Who's ready? Come on, by the power of Jesus. We need your help. Come on, we need your help. We expect you to move. And we hold on to your promise this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.